Good evening and welcome to Resistance TV. My name's Sean Bloor and I'm your host for this evening whilst Chris Williams is Chris Williamson is still away. Um, the date's the 5th of October and it's 7 p.m. Um, tonight we've got a really good show for you. We're going to be talking about one of the biggest issues in the UK today, which is housing, renting, and land issues. So tonight we have John Maxted with us, who's a community organiser and Workers' Party member, and Tony Gosling, who is an investigative journalist. He does his own broadcasting and he used to work for the BBC. He's also a member of the Workers' Party of Britain. So I'd like to welcome you both. Let me just put you to the screen. Hello. Hi, Tony. Hi. Hello. How are you doing? Well, How are you doing, thanks. John? Um, I'm great, thanks, Sean. Thank you. Good, good. Well, thank you very much for joining us this evening. John, I want to come to you first and ask sure. you, what are the main issues that you deal with as a community organiser when it comes to housing issues? Is it with tenants or landlords or those kind of issues? You pretty much hit the nail on the head. It's tenants and landlords we primarily deal with. I've uh, helped out with organisations such as Acorn, primarily with regards to that work. It's usually uh, taking on uh, landlords on behalf of tenants, normally in the case of, of Section 21 eviction notices and that sort of thing. And what, what does that actually mean for, for the layperson? What's the Section 21 eviction notice? Essentially, it is the means through which a landlord can have a no-fault eviction. They can throw you out under any pretense whatsoever. Because of those provisions, it means that they actually have the means through which to uh, revenge evict people for making demands of their landlords that they do not like, such as making essential repairs or for complaining about safety issues in properties. I remember on one instance, we had one member we represented on behalf of Acorn that uh, she had a house catch fire and burned down and it was revealed in the uh in the aftermath of that by the fire department that the cause of the fire was a faulty fuse box which had been held together with a paper clip and some uh and some tin foil and that was the cause of the fire and when she reported the this to her landlord um her letting agent should i say they dealt her a section 21 eviction notice on the spot so as to just get rid of the problem which was her complaining not that the property went up in flames so how long does it give the tenant to move out uh, when they're evicted when they serve that paper what ha what are the processes what happens then? the process is uh, that have you believe that the process is practically within a few weeks but it depends your mileage will vary depending on the landlord and the letting agent involved but in terms of the actual process itself, there is uh, lots of bits and pieces to it. I think it's you have to be served papers first, which is a process that could take months. And then from there, it can carry on in earnest. But it's that whole uh, bit can take a while. That's It all comes down to those papers first being served and then the process begins. And would you say that's been put in to protect landlords against Absolutely. unscrupulous tenants? Or is it... You know, do, do the tenants have any rights whatsoever? Uh, with regards to Section 21, I'd say they don't have really any recourse at all. It's very much a law that's skewed in favour of property owners rather than those who actually live on the property. And uh, it's um, 
it's probably something that should be done away with. There are moves being made at the moment to do away with this uh, at the moment through what's called the Renters Reform Bill, which is uh, also including something that's a bit more uh, grey than the black and white issue, such as Section 21, which is essentially giving empowering uh, landlords to do away with anti-social tenants, which uh, on the face of it sounds like more power just for the landlords themselves. I'm sure there will probably be some uh, scope for abuse. But at the same time, it also helps to uh, protect some other tenants. We've had issues of members who've been assaulted by other uh, tenants in homes and then had little protection from either the police or the letting agents themselves. They won't let them break their contracts, for example, in order to escape a property if they're being assaulted in that house by another tenant and, that so and so on. So um, that one perhaps be more could be debated more thoroughly but i could almost imagine uh somehow it's going to be wound up wind up being abused by uh landlords as well in order to kick yeah, anti-social yeah, find that you often find they will find their way uh, around these different loopholes don't you um yeah tony what's your um what's your area of expertise i know you've been dealing a lot with uh, land issues can you give us a bit more insight into what it is exactly you've been looking into over the the past few years so i'm in my own 60s and uh, I've been dealing with this issue as a journalist for many, many years, even starting in the 90s London. And uh, I think the reason I've, I've I think, I mean, for example, uh, a recent report, reporter pointed out that housing is on neither agendas of either main party at all, or even the minor part. Uh, the idea basically is that this is taboo. Uh, that the uh, financial chiefs who run Britain uh, decided that nothing is to be done about uh, the, the housing crisis. And it is an absolute crisis. I, my my um, writing has mainly been around this group called the, the Land Hours. Uh, and uh, last year, I wrote something called uh, How to Really Fix the Cost of Living Crisis. Because the reason uh, that Britain can't compete in the world anymore uh, and the reason we've got so much, uh, you know, increasing poverty that work is often no longer a route out of poverty. So you can be working and working and still can't pay bills, still can't pay rent, is all to do with rent. Uh, we've just had the news today, uh, for, and it'll be, I would imagine, on the ITV news tonight. I don't, don't doubt it because they cover these issues quite well. The uh, average rents in the UK have all hit another record high earlier in. In the week, we had uh, uh, the, uh, the the news about house prices uh, falling at their greatest rate uh, for, since the 1970s, and so what we got is uh, it is an absolute mess in the in the world of housing. But it isn't a mess because what's happening is, uh, although tenants uh, are having a really difficult time and being evicted, being asked to pay ridiculous sums. Uh, just to keep a roof over the head, which, by the way, should be a human right uh, in, on the Un Universal Declaration of Human Rights. And actually, up until the 1970s in, in Britain, it, it pretty much was a human right because uh, as a woman, Stella, who used to run our housing association, which I was a director of for five years, uh, Nightstone Housing here in Bristol. Um, and she she said, well, in the 1970s, like at the end of the 1970s, we built 
enough houses for everybody that was through council housing we didn't need any more and i think for a lot of young people trying to rent somewhere now they can't quite believe that that there was just enough house for everybody we didn't need to build anymore uh and that also of course the benefit system made sure that everybody was in a house uh and you know i can remember seeing my first beggars on the street in london uh not long after after Margaret Thatcher came in in the early 1980s. So rent uh, and mortgage repayments are at the heart of all of this. And of course, the, the, with the interest rates now going up, uh, uh, supposedly to, uh, yeah, to stop inflation, well, it's just making inflation worse and it's making the housing situation worse. What they're doing is it's propelling all the housing stock uh, into the hands of the big corporations, the financial elite and the banks. And in fact, Lloyds of openly declared as these companies have in the united states that they want to they want this housing they want this infrastructure uh, for themselves and so it's not just the, the the renters who are having a horrendous time as john just explained there in detail on the from the the coal face uh, it's also uh, at, at the at the higher levels and also amongst people who are either buy to let landlords or have got a mortgage they're now finding that they are being stitched up too. So they've they've maybe got a mortgage at low interest rates and they're now finding there's no way they can pay it. So what will happen? They will have maybe some sort of deal with the bank where the bank takes ownership of the place and then they start renting from a financial institution sometime. But the, 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 the fundamentals of this is that one thing that we all need, in fact, if you look at a lifetime spending, OK, so the car comes up quite high. People spend a lot on their cars. But their home is the thing that people spend most most of their money on because uh, this is the thing we need most. Uh, and so it's not it's not surprising that the financial oligarchy have picked on that, saying, well, this is what people, <clears throat> excuse me, are most desperate to keep. So what we'll do is we'll try and take it off them. Uh, and they will then have to funnel all their resources into keeping their home. And so I think it's a deliberate thing and it's absolutely appalling. It shows a the, the the terrible state of our so-called democracy that uh, an opposition party like the current Labour Party is saying absolutely nothing about this because of course if they were to uh, make proposals sensible proposals this is the etc uh, but the thing is that they're not in charge the financial elite are in charge uh, in this country, uh, and so nothing it seems is going to actually be done about it, which is why it's so important that we're talking about it here today. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll talk a, a bit later on about some of the things that we can do about it. Um, before we come back to John, I just want to, I've been on the Office for National Statistics and having a look at some of the statistics to do with housing and rent. And um, I just want to go over some of the main points. Um, average UK house prices increased by 1.9% in the 12 months to May 2023, down from a revised 3.2% in April 2023. The average UK house price was £286,000 in May 2023, which is £6,000 higher than 12 months ago, but £7,000 mm. below the recent peak in September 2022. Average house prices increase over the 12 months to tw May 2023 to 304000 in England 
and 213,000 in Wales, 193 in Scotland and 172,000 in Northern Ireland. And the North East saw the highest annual percentage change of all English regions in the 12 months to May 2023, which was up 4%, whilst the East saw the lowest. So those are, I find those quite interesting um, because if you're a young person today and you're trying to buy a a so-called because they keep calling them affordable housing don't they this is the this is yeah. the buzz phrase that everyone's using at the moment in politics and if you try to buy a property um that's affordable you're going to you're going to be spending at least 175,000 pounds i mean here i'm up in trafford um, in the northwest and we've had a huge um migration of people from Hong Kong here uh, recently in the last 12 months. So we're seeing our house prices boom, they're absolutely going through the roof, which means that our kids who've been born here, raised here, lived here, can no longer afford to buy a house where they grew up mm. so they're having to to move out move out to other areas i mean my son is having is looking to move over to northern ireland actually purely because of, of housing prices over there um so you know can i have your thoughts uh, about that and um how how can we how can young people be, it's probably one of their biggest worries i think is earning enough money to be able to get on the housing ladder how how can young people sort of overcome this today john, john i'll come back to you in a minute I'll, I'll go to john first tony hang um, on can i just correct one of the figures yeah. just just let me correct one of the figures there because uh, the 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 mayor, mayor this is money this week uh of um said that the average uh house price if you if you look at over the last month if you if extend that fall over the year it's a five percent annual fall just over the last month so you know it's not right. you know that the the amounts that you're saying it's actually a, a it's gone down a tremendous amount actually and, and also they're predicting that that average house prices will fall fifty thousand pounds per house by the end of the year so we're looking at a collapse really in the housing market which no one really wants to talk about that because that would mean in many of these mortgage companies might potentially go down etc so you know that that's that's just from the the this is money earlier this week yeah well the, like i say this was from the, the these sorry john over to the, you yeah. the, these <laughs> are statistics from the office of national statistics and they were from may 2023 just to make that clear so they've obviously uh, corrected some of those uh, statistics within recent months but i can tell you that in my area um house prices have increased by about a hundred thousand pounds in the last 12 months and they see you know we see no way of them going down because housing is in such high demand here um i don't know whether that's just our area or whether that's happening in other areas of the country so yes okay they might say housing is going to go down fifty thousand. well it's already gone up it's it's already skyrocketed so if it falls down then that's that's good for me as far as i'm concerned because that means um people are more able to afford a house but on the other hand if you've bought a house that's 
more expensive and you're now paying higher interest rates it means you're going to be in negative equity doesn't it if the house prices then fall so it's all swings mm. and roundabouts so john over to you about um young people and their worries about getting onto the housing ladder yeah um cheers sean uh, there's a lot to chew on here because of you, you both raised very uh, valid points there i'll start with uh, where we began at the very beginning with what sean was saying about the overall rise and the effect it's had on young people as a regards the uh, overall state of housing since the last financial crisis, it has been uh, on a steady increase since that has rebounded. And as the, the social consequence of that has already been borne out, that a generation of people find themselves increasingly unable to get their ha themselves on the housing ladder. And then all of the other social safety nets that would have been in place to have helped them in uh, times before, the times before even the Thatcher years. So things like uh, social housing, the existence of things like rent tribunals that would keep the cost of their uh, rents down. That's now all been gouged out and we're left with a position now where most young people in this country will be paying at least 40% of their monthly income just to have a roof over their heads. So that's the existing state of things, regardless of the... Oh, is he... Uh, sorry, we just lost Tony, just didn't we? keep going, John. I think Tony's yeah, just sure. dropped out. Yeah. Sure. I'm still um, here. Oh, you're still okay. here. Just, yeah. It might have fixed your audio, actually. It was a little choppy. But um, I'll, I'll just carry on for a second, Tony. I, but um, I think it is going to have a tremendous effect, this, uh, this drop in prices, because naturally... For a great many people much of their wealth is tied up in this equity it's uh it's pretty much their retirement plan so when it starts to go down like this and then you could potentially see it spiral even further then uh you know a lot of people may unfortunately wind up joining us in the in the rental market because their homes won't be able to uh won't be able to meet their needs anymore they'll have to either size down remortgage or uh, lose it altogether and that's uh what that's the nightmare scenario with regards to uh, further collapse in house prices will, will actually entail. But as for people leaving, I mean, that that reflects my personal experience and the experience of organizers just like me down in the South. So it's something that's going on, I'd say, across the country, judging from your experience and mine, because we've had examples of we'd be doing door knocking to talk to people about what it is that we get up to. And we'd speak to mothers who'd be crying about how they haven't seen their children for the better part of half a decade mm. because they've had to move practically to other countries just to, enable, just to be able to afford to live. So it's, it's breaking apart families and communities. Absolutely. Um, that's uh, it's one thing that worries me as well. Um, as you were talking about, uh, well, we'll come back to rental in a minute. Tony, let me get your thoughts on the young people and getting on the housing ladder. Well, I mean, I'm part of a, a group, Bristol Housing Action, because I was a squatter for two years, well, maybe nearly three years, actually, uh, back in the noughties. And um, I joined this group, Bristol Housing Action. So we are work pretty closely with ACORN here in Bristol um, to support people who are getting evicted. But often uh, they don't know that there is a potential support network around them. And, and at the end of the day, uh, it's the courts that make these decisions. Now, sometimes you can get a sympathetic judge who will give someone a little bit of extra time, but quite often uh, you, you don't. And um, the other thing is that we're seeing a complete stripping out of the infrastructure. So, for example, Avon and Bristol Law Centre, uh, where when I was originally squatting, and uh, I could go and get some free legal advice there, uh, and and um, in potentially also a solicitor, free solicitor, uh, with the destruction of legal aid has also seen our 
Bristol and Avon and Bristol Law Centre, actually it's now just a pile of bricks and rubble. It's been demolished. There isn't really uh, very much in the way of uh, decent legal support for people. Uh, so <clears throat> it's really a kind of bullying effectively by uh, people who are trying to make money out of housing. <clears throat> because they can't make money, it seems, manufacturing and making and doing anything useful anymore. But they can see that there is this thing out there which is desperate for pe that, that everyone needs that they can exploit. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I uh, just thought you raised an excellent point when it comes to the the house production at the moment. There was a report that came out by the Home Build Nation, which is basically an industrial group of all of these producers, property developers, and they're crying out to have uh, different uh, controls dropped in order to try and make uh, house building profitable again, because they're saying we've got such a shortfall and it's now harder than ever to get access to a house. They're saying it's, it ranks as the worst place in the developed world, they put it as uh, as being that we physically are the worst place in any developed country to find a house. But of course, there is you have to take that with a certain uh, heap of salt because bear in mind these people are always going to bang the drum for making their sector more profitable. Yeah, well, the house there is one issue involved in all of this which nobody really wants to talk about, particularly on the left. And that's uh, immigrants and migration, because this is one of the things which is, is forcing up the value. I mean, we've had roughly an, in, an in, uh, input of 350,000 people a year for many, many years. And of course, this is creating a massive increased demand for housing. Uh, and nobody seems to want to talk about that uh, because it's seen as, oh, well, you know, uh, these people are refugees, asylum seekers, and we mustn't uh, criticise them. And of course, we're not criticising them. But what, I mean, what I would do is say that this is a deliberate attempt to uh, create uh, a, a market solution to something which should be a national plan sorted out. Uh, and so, and it's a deliberate way of, of, of inflating the value of assets which are already owned, whether it's by mortgage companies or, or by individual families and, you know, and people. Uh, it's a completely artificial market. But when, when you say, I don't know, John, if you um, ever have anything to do with, with squatters, people who uh, but, you know, this is what often happens for young people, young families. They either they will find an empty building and just start living it and see how they get on or else quite often people will buy a, a barge on the river boat or a, a vehicle and start yeah. living in that because it's become so difficult to actually make a living and pay the rent at the same time for youngsters yeah i'm very aware of people living on barges and uh boat houses and what what have you it's become increasingly common since even I'd say five years ago, we were seeing regular things of that happening. It was originally something that students would do to try and knock down the costs equivalent of what would be renting a place there because it was already inaccessible then, just an access to a normal rental property. And they would uh, get these boats and live on them for the better part of uh, five, ten years. So yeah, I've definitely uh, ran along with that. But um, as for uh, the situation with all these with people going in squatting and having like access to some level of support it's like those who don't find that they all wind up on the street we have we've had that situation with several of our members we have members who've been left to be thrown out and we've even had councils be complicit in having large numbers of people thrown out we saw a guardianship down in my area which was uh, wrapped up with only eight hours notice and that was more than 30 people that had to find alternative housing arrangements in less than half a day. 
so you know they they didn't have access to anything like any any squatters network or anything like that they came to acorn in desperation but it was too little too late there was nothing we could do to help these people so uh you know it's uh that's a key component in this that frankly a lot of local authorities are completely asleep at the wheel or they're complicit with housing interests who are only interested in development they're interested in development so they can mark up and they will make them uh they'll try to get the fattest rent return on those properties that they can get because naturally that's what they're in the business of doing they're trying to make money so uh well that segue that segues nicely john into us yeah i mean here in bristol sorry go on Tony. well can i just say something about our local authority here because i mean they they have i've been absolutely appalling in bristol uh, the um, uh, for example, for people living in boats in the harbour have had their uh, mooring fees increased up to three hundred and fifty percent, just like that. Mm -hmm. uh, they've just literally lost judicial review in that decision, which should have they should won. Mm. I don't know how if uh, if judge has got friends at the, at the city, but they're trying to almost ethnically cleanse or social cleanse Bristol Harbour of the people who are living there. It's just mm -hmm. in the way of, uh, you know, a, a nice view for the tourists. Actually, what they do is they add tremendous amount of life and safety and security uh, to the city centre, but the council is persecuting them, deliberately persecuting them. Uh, the, the same is happening up on the downs in Clifton. It's a beautiful green area at the top of Bristol, by suspension bridge. Uh, you've got now something like 150 every day, and not to be just at night, but now it's it's uh, a load of vehicle drivers up there, travellers basically living, uh, and the council is, is making moves to uh, move them and say, well, but they've got nowhere to go. So the council is actually, you know, whereas they used to be building houses to sort the problem out, they're now actually looking at uh, areas where people are sorting out their own solutions. And to survive <clears throat> and actually deliberately going and wasting uh, uh, ratepayers or council taxpayers' money in, in persecuting them and evicting them. So, you know, mm. I, I mean, one does wonder, you know, what's happening at the national level in the de democratic planning to do with housing and also here at a very local level that the, the local authority is actually making things worse. Absolutely. Uh, Sean, you said we were going to... Yeah, I wondered if we could talk about some of the solutions, some of the ideas that you may have um, to, to solve some of these issues that we have with, with planning, with land development, with um, building new housing, with bringing down rents. Um, so, John, who should we start with you? Um, well, keeping it on topic with regards to local authorities and things like that, and uh, things like housing stock, uh, social housing, I don't think we can even have a social housing plan so long as we have the conditions that did away with it in the first place still in place so things like right to buy would have to go there would be, there'd have to be uh, a return to an earlier method of actually building up that stock because there was a time in this country when one in three people lived in social housing and it offered a safety net for a great many people living in their areas and then with the with the collapse of that and right to buy coming in it doesn't matter what stock we build because within a few years it will just be eroded yet again so that's step number one in terms of a national policy in terms of um in terms of getting that, that building done again and getting it done to a high quality that's a, a much more long-term issue i mean much of the property that's left in the area i come from just from 
getting into these properties ourselves and we have some members who are involved with the building trade who come in with us and do inspections we found that a lot of these properties are not fit for human habitation as is so the existing stock i mean we have some of the oldest uh, housing stock in the developed world i mean again coming back to that uh, report that came out today they were talking about how you know most of our housing predates the uh predates the 60s you know a lot of the, we have some very old housing here that just hasn't uh, been very well taken care of and the end result is even if you were to try and convert that stuff into a social house you'd quickly send an inspector in and he'll realize it's not fit for purpose and needs to be replaced so you know I don't think there is any quick short-term solutions there's only long-term solutions Tony well absolutely with the uh, the right of boy that's got to go obviously um, but uh, the, the, the simple solution would be just to um, allow councils to, to build houses again. I mean, this was one yeah. of the first things that, that Margaret Thatcher did in the 1980s is she stopped them. Uh, actually, if you are a house builder, the nice thing about, of course, being a council building houses is that you could just give yourself planning permission to do whatever it is you want to do. And you you can build some quite ambitious schemes. I'm not talking necessarily about like, you know, Soviet style mass uh, you know, multi-story, you know, 50, uh, 100-story blocks of houses altogether. But, you know, you can you can really build some decent houses. And, in fact, you, you know, just wandering around quite often in the 1970s, you can see some very good uh, schemes that were built, put together. The, the irony, of course, is if you're buying a, 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 a house now, which is built by one of these cartel of house building companies, the, the, the rooms in them are far smaller than, or so-called affordable housing, uh, are far smaller than the council housing that's been built here really since the Second World War. And I wouldn't necessarily, you know, poo-poo the idea of Victorian housing. Some of it is extremely good. Big rooms, very well-built houses, much better than these breeze block things that they built today. Uh, and so I think that's one solution. The other solution has got to be uh, to, uh, to free up some of the, uh, the, the, the planning permissions for individual self builders and people like that so and also to stop the restrictions uh, on people living on their own land so this is one of the things that came in uh, around about the time of the second world war if you did own your own land you basically allowed to build on it before that and you could build a build a house so there's quite a lot of people who own land say for example a piece of woodland or whatever why not allow them permission to actually build their own place there this is going to slowly but surely i mean there is a there is a whole campaign around this which is i really must mention the land magazine uh, because uh, the people who write in there publish there this magazine has been campaigning for this for a long time what they call is low impact development which is where you're not necessarily having all these um, services in like gas water electricity but people are living a fairly simple life now of course the city of london the people that run the country don't like that because uh, they want you to be paying for these services but you know actually what people really need mate is a basic roof over their heads they're Therefore, they can uh, also uh, manage the land that, that, that they're living on. So, in a way, I suppose I'm, what I'm proposing is a, a kind of a back-to-the-land movement of some kind where we just get rid of the idea that everyone has got to be forced into cities and start to set up lots of small, small holdings, uh, small uh, bits of cottage industries and that sort of thing. Uh, because what we're seeing in the countryside is the opposite. We're seeing consolidated land, massive like industrial agriculture, 
uh, uh, soup farms uh, and this kind of thing. But actually, let's if you know if we could redistribute land a little bit more, we've got about 55 million acres of land, uh, and this is actually going into less and less hands into the hands of the banks at the moment. I think if uh, ordinary people were given a little plot in some woodland and that sort of thing, who who were homeless, a small you know startup. That would en enable, uh, you know, enable um, uh, more security. And of course, what we really need is we need security of tenure. So you will put a lot of effort. It's like if you're renting somewhere, you don't look after it because you could be kicked out next week. But if you've got, you know, your own kids will inherit it, etc. You put a lot more, more time and effort into looking after it. And I think so we need something along the lines of, um, you know, a redistribution of land so that everybody has got their own space and that nobody has to pay rent and that's where we were heading in the 1970s we were heading you know away from this uh old feudal system where all the serfs just had to work for the lords because they didn't have anywhere secure uh to to a system where everybody has got secure housing and the other thing i think which would really um uh, scare those who are are uh, big house owners is to actually make eviction illegal uh, unless there's a criminal uh, reason why someone should be evicted. Uh, the, the people should not be being thrown out of their homes in a housing crisis at all. Uh, and this would, of course, also induce uh, buy-to-let landlords to just sell the house because they can't, if they can't, in, they can't afford to run it, uh, <clears throat> then they should be um, you know, getting rid of it. And that will bring house prices back, back down to a much more sensible normal level so there's lots of things to do mm. uh uh but uh, you're right the first thing is to stop the right to buy and, and at the moment actually less and less it's less and less it's more more difficult to, to actually buy a council place etc but that's a very important part of uh, any kind of new policy mm. john you wanted to say something yeah, uh, there was a lot of really interesting stuff there from Tony, actually. Uh, a lot of brilliant suggestions. With regards to your land reform suggestion, uh, what challenges do you personally suppose might actually uh, try and knock an idea like that down? Well, the, the obvious one is the, um, the, the house builders and the banks, because they're making a tremendous amount of money out of the inflated price of, of housing. And they don't really want to see people who are able to sort you know, if, if one of the things we did is in, in the Landers House campaign a few years ago is we compared the how much it costs to build a house to how much it costs to buy one. And you'll find it's about three or four times more to buy it because you're paying for this inflated land value underneath the house. In fact, in London, of course, it's much, much more. It's a, it's you know, you could get yourself a house built for around about forty, fifty thousand pounds in terms of material, uh, at labour costs, and that sort of thing. But you know, the actual price we're paying is massively inflated. And, and it, you know, it, and it's, there's no problem in, in many other countries. I mean, I spent quite a bit of time in New Zealand over there. Many people just uh, they design and build their own places at far less cost than we pay here because they have a much more uh, much sort of pioneering spirit. You know, you go and clear a bit of space in the bush and put a place there. Well, actually, we've got vast counties of depopulated countryside here. I mean, look in Wiltshire. If you go on a train or drive through Wiltshire, you can go miles and miles. You don't see a single house. It's just fields and fields and woodland, and there's nobody there uh, because historically, uh, the, the population in Britain was evicted by the Industrial Revolution in England. You've got massive amounts of empty space in the countryside. Mm. The people trying to stop it, I think, would be the ones that are pointing right now uh, out of the market. That is the, uh, the cartel of house 
builders mainly and of course the uh, mortgage companies who are screwing everybody into the ground at the moment yeah i was going to say on your point of a uh, depopulation of the rural landscape that definitely uh, meets what i have come to understand of the situation i think it's something like 83 percent of the population of this country are now lived in land that is designated urban and everything else the huge swathes of the countryside is inhabited by only about 13 percent mostly the sort of sorts of people that would be rich landowners so that's that definitely kind of jibes with uh, what i've actually read on the subject and again it's um in terms of how you would get people out there and actually get this sort of movement off the ground, it's almost like you're describing uh, like a return of the commons rather than uh, than having people driven out of it, as we know right from back in the day, back in the 1700s. Tony, maybe frozen, or do you want to comment on what John's just said? Um, the, you know, obviously you do need to look after the countryside, you know, we want to have somewhere nice to go for a walk, but actually, uh, I think it's, it's rewilding, they call it, but it's kind of mm. an idea that, oh, we've got to uh, get people out of countryside, in fact, Nathland have been pushing this, uh, where uh, large area, I mean, I was, I was up in the, uh, the North Norfolk coast recently, uh, and they're saying, oh, well, these people are walking. We'd rather shut them down to leave it open for wildlife. Well, actually, people and wildlife can get along fine. Age, the, the man and his dog, he, charity, uh, uh, restoration trust, saying, well, look, let's just work with farmers to, um, to encourage wildlife, you know, to actually make the environment better and get rid of things like, uh, he was very pro-organic, you know, get rid of the use fertilizers uh, and, uh, and and you don't need that to actually make, make farm constructive uh, so the, I think if you at, uh, at, at the way that the countryside is shaped we've got you know that the people are part of it and, and there is this kind of zero trust growing up where oh we can't trust people to do this we can't actually just give people a bit of a, a bit of maybe a bit of a workshop space you can trust them to get on with it and they'll be productive uh, but what we're seeing at the moment is is just uh, you know the the the, the apparent um treatment of people just a cash cow how money can people it's not surprising people are getting annoyed people are getting you know uh get, you know, get basically going into young people for example, going into organised crime, they feel that the society that they're growing up in doesn't care about them. Well, people are an opportunity, uh, and I think they'll start behaving a lot better, and we will start trusting each other a bit more again. Mm. Yeah, just to just to give you an example, um, my brother uh, managed to. He's always wanted to be a farmer, and he managed to save up enough money to buy himself a, a ten-acre plot, which was part. It used to be part of a a larger farm and they sold off the farm buildings people have made those into barns um barn conversions to living and there's other people who've bought up smaller lots on the farm so 
it's it's absolutely wonderful because they all work together and they all help each other out so if somebody's got to get a harvest of hay in someone else has got a, a baler that they'll come and they'll bale it for them and so if someone's got a problem with the cows and the other you know the others will go and help them sort out the cows or sort out help with lambing or you know whatever it is and it, it is absolutely it is absolutely amazing and personally i would i would love to see far more people being able to do that kind of thing it would have people would have a better life um they'd get away from social media they'd be able to be out in the fresh air working with animals is amazing um or even growing your own or even growing your own fruit and veg is is um is absolutely amazing as well um and i i think that would be a, an amazing idea but people just can't get hold of the land tony it's, like you say, the land has been brought up by all these big conglomerates. Um, Bill Gates apparently is buying up land all over the place and farms. Um, you know, how can we stop it? They, you know, these are the, the powerful people who've got the money. The likes of normal people, we can't even afford to buy a house, let alone buy or rent some land to be able to do our own little homesteading in, if you like, or our small holdings um which would which would be wonderful and then once you get hold of this land the local planners won't let you build anything on the land um and you often find that um it's something john and i were discussing yesterday um is that it's that the local councils particularly in rural areas are run by local landowners or large farmers and they unfortunately look after themselves first before they'll look after other people so they they are allowing themselves to have the planning permission to put buildings and you know glamping sites and you know all these extra things that can help make money on their farms but refusing other people in the area to be able to build a house or a, a shed even you know they might need a lambing shed or a, a cow shed um, and they're stopping them from doing that and the other thing is these big wind farms as well the big wind films that have been built in rural areas are they they give money to the local community because it's compensation for for the ISIL. they do give them a lot of money and then you've got the local parish parish councils or the councils in those rural areas who again they're responsible for dealing out this money to the local community and what happens is that they mostly sort themselves out first because they're the local landowners before letting anybody else have um anything that's left in the park um john you wanted to come in on that yeah, you're pretty much you pretty much preempted what I was going to say mostly, but that's fine. There's still some bits and pieces I think that are worth going into. Pretty much what you've described is a classic example of this revolving door between these different interest groups and local and national government, for that matter. Of course, like lobbying is is no big secret. There's been a problem in this country for well since before I was even born, maybe in the 80s and 70s, and probably even beyond that. But um, in terms of uh, the effect it has and like our personal experience dealing with it we've seen the exact same thing playing out with the housing issues in areas like brighton and uh i mean in our experience we had a great many uh great many officers in the council that were the point of obstruction for us we got as far as the councillors being on cyber changes one of the big ones we recently fought over was uh landlord licensing scheme 
to have their landlords require to take out a license that proves the properties they are renting are actually fit for human habitation and meet a bunch of requirements. And it took us a free year tug of war, not because of the councillors. We got first the Greens, then the Labourites on side that. But it was actually the officers that were obstructing it every which way. And it turns out that those officers, I mean, the, the chief officer, the place that I was at, I, I won't mention his name, but uh, he eventually left to go and work for property developers, like large scale property developers in some kind of consultancy role, which uh, is very lucrative. So you see there's very much embedded interests from housing interests and with land, I imagine it's with land speculators as well. And uh, that's probably one of the biggest challenges is to get anything done because it runs completely contrary to their interest for ordinary people to have a say in these issues yeah uh, and the other the other point i wanted to bring up that hasn't been mentioned is that the tories did remove the the loan cap for councils on um on on getting loans to buy more housing or to build more housing and uh but like you said they've still got that right to buy option unfortunately so the local council can go and build housing off their own backs but they're not doing that they're contracting it out to local housing development companies um tony your thoughts on what we've just been discussing oh yeah in so i know quite a bit what's been going on in terms of housing we've had both the uh, previous mayor george ferguson and the Mark Reese, play building loads of new council houses. Well, they've built virtually nothing. Uh, it's because there's so many difficult. I mean, they've had difficulties um, arranging the uh, the money to, to to get these things built. All sorts of bureaucracy has been in the way. And at the end of the day, the uh, the uh, property lobby that John's been talking about is incredibly. Uh, what they do is they see anything like this on and they just shut it down political uh you know they're they're lobbying the top uh, people at the top of the political pile who get told by people oh you place but <clears throat> we don't want it and we're going to do better and we're going to build more houses i mean the other thing we're starting to see now is the actual councillors here people on planning committees and on the uh, housing boards and that's actually waiting for as consultants Etc. with the planners. Uh, so it's a couple of loans, Joe Banks here, or the Bristol Bay has exposed uh, these completely ridiculous conflicts of interest. So what's going There's an informal relationship between council officers, uh, councillors and the big developers that land speculate, but it's now becoming a formal thing too. So uh, speculators have got their own people on the council, uh, in the council. Uh, uh, making these decisions uh, so you know there really isn't much of a chance in the, these policies through certainly uh here at the moment uh, but you know, this is a massive historical thing and i think we're going to be you know as britain was the first country to uh you know we're in the revolution we're going to have to be i think leading the way out of this and we're now in a, a situation where many of our cities are have lost their city, the industrial hubs uh the industry's gone and so we need to actually imaginatively come out i think with a, uh, some kind of policy which redistributes land to 
people. And in a way, this is one of the things I think is, is quite subtle about, about all this. It's a subconscious uh, needle. And everybody, the, the fact that they might be able to pay the mortgage in, in next month, they might not be able to pay the rent next month. Uh, this is something we, you know, we have a much better society in two different ways. First of all, by taking away that fear of losing your home, you can just relax a little bit easier, you know. Uh, and I'm sorry, uh, if you're as talking about there, in the country, your quality of life is far better. Uh, and so it seems to me a no-brainer that we're going to have to have some kind of, uh, you know, policy to get people back out into the countryside just doing farming, whether it's just workshops, doing in their, back, in their backyard, set the market, which maybe the big cartels uh, in the most rare industry now won't like that, but they're going to have to lump, they're going to have to lump it. I apologise if you can hear my dog barking in the, in the background. It's obviously somebody at the door. Is it in support of what I'm saying or against? I'm sure. Sorry? Didn't quite catch that, Tony. Uh, is your dog supporting what I'm saying, or is your dog acting? She's absolutely supporting what you're saying, Tony. Definitely, yeah. <laughs> Um, I, th I think this has been a fantastic start to a discussion. I think we've brought up a lot of different points and issues that people face when they're trying to buy a house, when they're renting, or whether they want a little bit of land to do whatever they want on. And I think this discussion needs to continue. I think we've talked about some of the solutions to that. Um, if people watching want to have more of a say in this you can join the workers party of britain we'll be having our congress in november and uh, sorry in december december the second and third um john's actually organizing it um and you'll be able to put motions forward and that can be discussed at the congress john what did you want to say have, have they missed the yeah. deadline no, oh, no, it's, it's fine. You you, to it's totally fine. The end of September, didn't you? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's one part of it. But there was, yeah, there's one last closing thing I do think is absolutely essential to this discussion. Then that is, that it's not enough to have a written policy or uh, to have a program. At the end of the day, the only thing that is ultimately going to force any change on this issue is a mass movement of ordinary people, renters and house owners alike, who are going to push back and actually take back control of this issue we have organizations out there already organizations like acorn and uh like in up in the north you have uh renters reform as well and uh what was the name of the one in scotland i can't remember but there's another one in scotland but the point is they've demonstrated already in practical terms this can be done it's not just a uh, a ceaseless retreating action they win cases and this is already with just what little numbers they've got we're talking movement of only tens of thousands imagine if that was in the hundreds of thousands that's the sort of thing Absolutely. that can force these changes through until we've actually got that going until we actually have that sort of mass power because we haven't got money but we can have people people whose interests all work together towards these issues we could force these changes through yeah um and i think it would be really handy to maybe have some cheat sheets that, that people could look at um that they can 
that can give them some ideas so they can go along to the local council or local council meetings and challenge the local councils on, on planning, development and housing issues. Uh, lastly, Tony, let me bring you in. Have you got any um, final words for our audience? Well, look, uh, we've uh, got a system of bringing people together who are having serious housing problems and uh, finding squats for them. Now, the squatting laws mean that you can't squat red properties anymore, which is insane. So these properties are becoming increasingly just an investment uh, for people, you know, some money out of the stock market maybe and put it into a house as house prices fall maybe they'll be being sold but these are building they're not just uh, you know money in the bank which so much property has become nowadays uh so you know that's what one of the things that you know, you could literally do straight is get people together and get them into this now you know you you have you do have rights as a squatter there's something that ass in london produced called the squatter's handbook uh for two or three pages copy of that which gives you what your legal rights are so i mean all the way from the long-term policy which has got to be about redistribution of land land reform of whatever kind making sure that the subsidies to the smaller producers the smaller farm, and the queen or sorry it's in China now he's one of the biggest recipients uh, uh, of agricultural subsidies uh, even though he's got a massive state all you need to do very very simple you just make sure Sure, that only farms up to say 500 or 1,000 they get any subsidy, and then they would have to up. You know, this is it's, it's, it's the same in that feudal world as it has been monopolistic capitalist world, uh, where we're now seeing the antitrust case against Google. Uh, these massive corporations are becoming very powerful. Well, we have similar going on in in, in the, the the land market, uh, and so I think that, that you know once you understand there are things you can do across the level and um, put together as we've just been uh, here uh, some kind of coherent simple policy on housing uh, because it, it, it most definitely is taboo uh, most, most politicians of all parties nowadays to actually do anything about this and to talk any sense about it so I think but it's a massive, massive vote with. So I think uh, you know this should be a major plank of uh, of the party going into into the future. Uh, this is where the best have done a quite good job on TV, particularly in keeping an eye on this this one. Uh, and they're the only people it seems nationally who uh, they're eye on the ball. Uh, so yeah, I think I think with a, a distribution of land and, and a, a complete rethink and a, a crushing of this massive land speculation businesses that are destroying them. in our city uh, we've had some horrific horrendous developments uh, just luxury houses in the city center and offices in the city center many of which have been bought up by businesses and then nothing done with them just sitting there as an investment and that just shows you that the uh, the actual policy around housing has just completely failed uh, so yeah so yeah just and also squatting at the, the at the very grassroots level i think you know we need to be rights trans rights voters rights and, and all these sorts of things and uh, looking at protecting those who have found a solution out at the uh, very grassroots level particularly youngers trying to get a roof over their heads 
Well, I want to thank you both for joining us uh, today. And um, just to let people know, this is this is a pre-record. We've had to record this during the day today uh, due to people's scheduling issues. So I want to thank Tony. I want to thank John for giving us their time today to talk about this issue. I want us to carry on talking about it. I want us to find solutions together. So thank you so much for joining us tonight. If you like what we do, please click the like button. It helps us to beat censorship and get out into that YouTube algorithm, please share the, the, the programme. And if you have any ideas for future episodes, please put the put your notes in the comments. And uh, we always read the comments. We love to hear from you. So hopefully Chris will be back with us again next week. Nice to see you. Have a great week. Good night.